great sense of expectancy and anticipation. This is one of these high days and holy days merging into one as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. We're going to greet each other in a customary way which I'm sure, I was going to say billions, I guess that's true, billions of people throughout the world today will greet each other as we celebrate the risen Christ. And uh, it should come up from the PowerPoint in a moment, but you will know it anyway. I will say, Hallelujah, the Lord is risen. And you will reply, He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Okay? Let's try that. Hallelujah, the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Yes. We give thanks for God's goodness to it. Now, um, we're uh, quite uh, compact today, and you'll be pleased the heating has been turned off, so the heat will build up, should be good uh, and there are a few spaces and as people come there's the overflow as well. This will be an occasion where we share together and rejoice in family and friends being here, particularly several visitors, local and throughout different parts of the country. Great that we meet in the Lord's name. I want to read the final part of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, The Resurrection. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, and yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And the final part of this account. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. What is Easter. Well, 
I guess it depends who you're asking. Uh, you young folks sitting so near the front, very well behaved, which is really good. Um, did you know that um, the average child, and you're pretty average, um, will eat 500 grams of fat, F-A-T, and 8,496 calories over Easter. That is from the AXA Healthcare. They have warned that British children typically receive eight chocolate eggs. How many, Oscar, how many did you have? You didn't got any. How many did you got? You don't. Last year you had twelve. Okay, well that's fair enough. <laughs> depends who you ask. Well, if they're in a small pack, but you mean twelve big ones. Now, that is something. It could be, of course, that uh, Easter is an opportunity to improve your golf skills, to go on holiday, to go to the caravan, to do some extra work in the garden, or some of you are doing exams and you have to do some preparation. Easter depends who you're speaking to. For some of you, what you're going to witness in a moment is a strange event. It reminds me of a man by the name of John, who was the only Baptist in a very strong Catholic community. His neighbors were Catholics. His friends were Catholics. His children went to a Catholic school. But during Lent, he had a problem, or at least his friends had a problem. While they were eating cold fish, he was barbecuing sirloin steak. So they got rather tired of this and they said, John, we think you should join us in our church. So in a few weeks' time, there he is, in front of the altar, and the priest says to John, you were born a Baptist, you were raised a Baptist, like some of these young folks that you've heard, and Emma, to point. But now you're a Catholic. Okay. So as time went on, the following year, during Lent, while John's friends are eating cold fish, they smell this beautiful fragrance coming from his garden. And he's got the barbecue and he's got a sirloin steak with all the aroma wafting over. And as they look over the garden fence, they hear John say to the barbecue, and this beautiful chunk of meat there, you were born a cow, you were raised a cow, now you're a fish. <laughs> you see the point? It's very easy to make, yeah, exactly. Very easy to make converts. That's easy. And we're not doing that today. The church can make converts, but it doesn't really cut the mustard. Not really, does it? There were two brothers. These brothers were known throughout the town for their entrepreneurial skills, but they were thoroughly dishonest. However, they continued to get wealthier and make lots of money, until suddenly one of the brothers had a massive heart attack and he died. The remaining brother had a problem. He wasn't particularly 
um, interested in church, but he needed a minister to finish off the funeral arrangements. He finally found a minister and he spoke to him along these lines. He said this to the remaining brother. Or the brother says to the minister, I will give you a great sum of money, cash, if you do one thing when you do the eulogy in the funeral service for my brother. I want you to promise me that publicly you will call him a saint. And if you do, I will give you a handsome amount of money. Now, this pastor is a very shrewd fellow and he thought, my car needs to be changed, pension's not so good, church has got money outstanding on the building, I'm sure the Lord would understand. And so he came to an agreement with the brother. He said, yes, I'll do that. So, the funeral service began. The church, like this, was filled with all sorts of people. Many of the, his business associates who had been swindled throughout the years by this brother. Now, unaware of the deal that had been made between the minister and the other brother, the moment came when the minister spoke, giving the eulogy, talking about the deceased. And he said this. The man you see in the coffin today was a vile, debauched scoundrel. Moreover, he destroyed the families and the welfare of many people in this city, some of whom are here today listening as I speak. He was a liar, a thief, a deceiver, a manipulator, a reprobate and a hedonist. But, next to his brother who is sitting in front of me, he's a saint. <laughs> now you see the point? If you think you're going to compare yourself with other people, that's easy. I don't know whether the minister got the money, by the way. But he was making a point, wasn't he? It's easy for us if you compare yourself with lesser people. You're doing well. But the whole point of a commitment like this is that you stand before a holy God and you're weighed in the balance and you know, you know, you're found wanting. Whether the church calls you a saint, they called Jimmy Saville a saint until certain things unfolded. Or we can use religious language and yet it comes to nothing in the end. What this amounts to on this special Easter Sunday is this. That Jesus is alive. And whatever our views, one day we will give an account to him. And what God will do is say to ask us at various times throughout life when we've been exposed to the gospel, what did you do with my son who was freely offered to you? What did you do? You'll answer that question as I will. So what about this Easter? It's a great message, isn't it? 
Come with me in five minutes or less to this Easter morning. The women, as we read, thought Jesus was dead. They were convinced of that. And so, you see in Matthew 28, once, after the Sabbath at dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. They were at the cross. They saw crucifixion. They knew he was dead. They were going to embalm the body with spices and oil. But the angel's message, sitting on the stone, with this incredible question, why are you afraid? Or, don't be afraid. What's the big deal about Easter? Well, of course, as we've said, it depends who you're talking to. But think about it like this, in these terms. His resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus, guarantees ours if we trust him. Now, for me personally, if I may say this, you've heard five testimonies, I'll give a brief one, and it's this. With more time behind me than ahead of me, this is of interest to me personally. Now what about you, your testimony, your story? Who will you trust? I would rather trust in some person who has been through it, who knows what it is to face death. Think about it like this. Jesus is the only man who ever made an appointment beyond the grave and kept it. We have plans. But all these plans are subject to all the vagaries of life, of health and circumstance and issues outside of our control. Jesus made an appointment and kept it. And he still does. He keeps that appointment. The second thing you notice about this Easter time is this, that they heard that Jesus was alive. Verse 6. He is not here, he is, he is risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Even though Jesus said he would rise from the dead, they really didn't expect it. They didn't believe it. And I guess some of us here today, even though we've heard about Jesus who changes people's lives, I wonder, do we believe it? Would we expect it if it was to happen to us? It's the same issue, really. And the angel does an interesting thing, or says an interesting thing. The angel in invites them to go to the tomb and, and, and say this. Come and see the place where he lay. Look for yourself. See for yourself. And then go and tell my disciples he's alive. And that, in essence, is the great challenge of the church today. Come and see. Go and tell. That's the challenge. And you say, what? Jesus is alive and has conquered death. That's what Easter means. And the last thing is this. They met the living Jesus personally. Sometimes Jesus becomes a prisoner to this book. You said, yeah, I, I, I believe the Bible. I know it's there. But he's still there. 
but by his spirit he can come alive to us we encounter him we receive his grace we know he forgives us and we trust him because he loves us they met the living Jesus personally I wonder if that's true of you this Easter that's the challenge it's this when we take his word seriously when we believe the gospel he comes to you and the big danger at this point is that it's all sort of theoretical it's in the book and it stays in the book the great preacher Spurgeon was training students to be pastors and the Darwinian theory was unnerving all sorts of people and young ministers were going into the pulpits and explaining how evolution can't be possible and undermining Darwinian the species and all this sort of thing Spurgeon says you're wasting your time the Bible is like a caged lion you don't need to defend the Bible loosen it and let it go <coughs> that's a great challenge today the issues may be different so out of this Bible he speaks to us like a lion a roaring lion and we encounter his power mixed with his love you have to believe it for yourself some of these boys said their parents believe but they have to believe for themselves so the last thing that we have here is this don't be afraid come and see go and tell go and tell faith in Jesus Christ is not being a member of a secret society I hope it's not the best kept secret in your life let people know your allegiance that you're resolved to follow Jesus whatever the cost and so he has said and you just think of down through the corridors of time we are here today and he says to these disciples really not great heroes are they think of them fearful uncertain lacking in confidence he says to them all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and I am with you always to the end of the age that is a great promise and together indeed with all your people as we pray together that prayer that you taught your disciples saying our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever Amen Let's close in prayer Father God, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you for the newness of life that he brings, risen, 
and ascended in heaven with you. And we would ask please your blessing on us and our households in Jesus' name, that you would be honoured in the way that we live and respond to your mercy. As we go now, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name. Amen.